Iconic makeup artist. Beauty industry revolutionary. Entrepreneur. Bobby Brown is all these things and so much more. Throughout her career, she has crossed paths with some of the most accomplished people at the top of their field. These conversations are a look into their inspiring lives because everyone has a story. This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown. Today on the podcast, I have Candace Bushnell. She's an author, a journalist, and television producer. She wrote a column for the New York Observer called Sex in the City. And we all know what happened after that. It was a book, a TV show, a movie. But honestly, Sex in the City doesn't define her. She is a incredibly talented writer. But what I really love about her, the stories that she has about life back then. I mean, come on. She went to Studio 54. She never quite got in the basement, but she has stories and she is funny. Here is my conversation with Candace Bushnell. And do you have friends who are getting divorced? Have you found, like, in the um, last 10 years, a lot of friends have gotten divorced? Not a lot. I got to say, but I am I live in New Jersey. Right. So, so it's out a of, really yeah, tight kind I, of... Not, this is really weird, but we probably have about eight or 10 couples that raise their kids together, and they're all still together. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. You know, it doesn't seem strange yeah. to me because when I was a kid, I grew up in a small town. Yeah, where did you grow up, by I the grew way? up in a town called Glastonbury, Connecticut. Okay. It was like... You know, I, I want to put it down. It was a really, really beautiful town, yeah. but it was really boring. How? Well, come on. Every, like everybody wore the same clothes. Right. Okay. Like, they were only like you could wear one shirt, the Isad <laughs> Lacoste shirt. Okay. Well, yeah. that's when you were in high school, right? High school and when I was uh, a little kid. Okay. So, too, but, so, um, so talk talk to me a little bit about what it was like in your house. Like, what describe what it was like? Your, you know, what your parents do? Oh well, my mother. Um, was a real estate agent, and she started her own business when we were kids. When we were eight, okay. I was eight. Uh, maybe I was a, maybe a little bit older, but she and her best friend across the street. You know, when we were kids, they would spend all day on the phone, and my sisters and I would be like, "What's wrong with you? Why don't you just go over to you know across the street and talk to each other in person? Why do you have to talk on the phone?" Um, but they were best friends, so they started a travel agency. And that was, like, very exciting, like having a mother who was working. But I really remember go- my mother going through a lot of hassles with my father, like saying, I'm going to work. And my father, really, she did not accept it at first. Because but, he wanted her home, taking care of the kids well, and cooking. Well, you know, it was, I, it was the 60s. Yeah. Well, so what did it your was dad... really that feminism thing that was coming out. And I just remember being such a feminist when I was, I mean, that's really one of my first wow. memories, I think, is being a feminist. Huh. And what did your dad do? He was a research engineer. So okay. he invented the fuel cell they used in the first Apollo space rocket. So he was literally like a rocket scientist. So oh, he was cool. like considered a genius when yeah. we were kids, which was hard. Yeah. Why was it hard? Hard for you or hard for him? Well, no, he had, you know, really high expectations, you know, and he really expected us or expected me to do something. Right. Just you? Important in life. Just you? Uh, yeah, my other sisters, they weren't going to cut it. Yeah. No, what, I'm what number are you? What number I'm are you? I'm the oldest. Yeah. No, but actually, um, yeah, one of my sisters lives in Montana, and she just composes classical music. Okay, cool. So that's, what about your other one? And then my other sister 
has a wool mill in Connecticut, which is, you know, where we're from. And we really grew up in a town with all these antique houses, and we lived in an antique house, and we grew up with so much knowledge about, you know, plants that, that, you know, the pilgrims used and, you know, the early settlers and, and, you know, and all the, you know, original Indian trails. And so that always was like so close to us. And it it was really like do-it-yourselfers. So my sister, she had sheep and she shared the wool and then she dyed the wool using the same flowers that they used in the 1700s. And apparently, and this is like so boring. People it's, are like, no, but, what but the, okay. First but of the, all, their you colors were incredibly bright yeah. okay. in the 1700s, which we have no, we do not know. They were not color fast, but so many things that we think we know about, especially New England in the mm-hmm. 1770s, is just not true. But they had very bright clothes and, you know, of course, what remains, everything's just kind of gray. But So as far as boring, you use that word a lot. So, I mean, nothing's boring because you could make what that is- you could make what is happening into something interesting. And what you have is like this rich history and knowledge that you kind of brought to New York City when you moved to New York. Correct. Maybe just some attitude. <laughs> no, but yeah, but whatever whatever it is. I mean, I didn't, you know, I don't remember. Like, I can't say my growing up was boring. It was just there. Like, yeah. I know. mean, I didn't really feel like it was boring. It okay. was just. It just wasn't New York. We d- well, you know what? We didn't have any outside entertainment. So we had to make our own entertainment. Road horses. Did the whole thing. And did you go to college? <gasps> yes, I did. I went to Rice University. Okay. And then after I was there for about a year and a half, I had really decided I'm going to be a writer and I'm going to move to New York. That was something that I knew that I wanted to do, like re- really when I was eight years old. And and I just decided I finally got out of the house and because I was always wanting to go to boarding school. I was always wanting to get away from my parents so I could begin my life, Uh (laughs) you know, as a novelist in New York City. Um, And so then I went to college and I met some people who lived in New York, like Gordon Parks, who was a super (laughs) famous photographer. Yeah. And, And so we were really good friends. So I would... Where did you meet Gordon Parks? I met him at a celebrity tennis tournament. In Houston, Texas. And so then I came to New York and, um, you know, kind of moved here with $20 and, you know, did all the usual kinds of. And then you moved to New York with $20. Where did you live? Well, I lived in an apartment. Um, You know, I moved around so much when I first came to New York, you could, okay, I had $20, maybe I had a right. little more than that, Okay, but I, you could find a share between like, a, like a, around $100, $120. Now, you know, the conditions weren't good. So I did find, one of the places I found was a share on 49th and 3rd, 
And this is in 1978. Right. And, you know, there were a lot of transactional kinds of encounters that went on in that neighborhood. So, and I lived with three women. They all wanted to be actresses. One of them was on Broadway. She was in the best little whorehouse in Texas. Okay. And she was from Texas. And that is why she decided to become friends with me because I met her in acting class. And, you know, I'd gone to Rice University and she was from Texas. So Uh. her roommate was leaving. So I moved in and it was kind of like something out of a Neil Simon play, but a lot more desperate Mm. and a lot more cockroaches. But you, but you also. They were always singing, uh, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Was there a bathtub in the kitchen? Was it one of those kind no, of places? No, it actually okay. was a proper two bedroom, and there were four women who mm-hmm. lived there, and and we lived on the second floor, and then on the third floor there were also four women who lived upstairs in a two bedroom apartment. So. One time I went downstairs and I was just standing on the sidewalk looking around like I'm going out. You know how you dress mm-hmm. in those days, like how we still dress inappropriately. Um, and and this car pulls up like a long Cadillac and there's a guy in the front and a guy sitting in the back. And I'm like, darn, that's like a really weird way to drive around in a car you know, I mean, it wasn't obviously yep. a car and driver. So I was like, Man, I wonder what's going on. So the guy rolls down the window and he's like, hey, yo, get in the car. I'm like, what? He's like, and where's your friend? Where's your friend? I'm like, what What are you talking about? And then he's like, oh, you from the third, you from the third floor? I was like, no, I'm from the second floor. He's like, oh, oh, okay. So obviously they had some ladies of the evening that gotcha. they were going out with. Okay. <laughs> So you said you went to acting class, and then I'm, like, watching you. I could see you, like, just sitting on a stage and having a one-woman show. Did you ever act? I, now that I've gotten to be this age, I I feel a little bit like maybe I could, maybe I could do it. You could. It was something that I always wanted to do, and I went to acting school, but I found it was I found it was so degrading and going to auditions were, I mean, I am so glad that I did it. I mean, but showbiz, it's harsh. You just don't like, you know, I've stood in those cattle call lines, you know, with 500 women, you know, the hopefuls. You know, and heard them all talking and everybody's insecure and, you know, nervous and what are they doing? And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of like, there's a lot. People are very handsy. Right. But being a writer is not difficult. I mean, come on. Well, I felt like I could just go and, you know, go and write and say, here it is. Here's my writing. And but with acting, it was like, well, you've got to get. Someone's got to hire you to do but it. the and same that thing was with writing. You need to get paid, and people like your writing. They don't like your writing. Well, but you see, one of the things that happened was I actually I started getting published like when I was nineteen. Okay, what was your first? What was your first? It might have been called How to Act in a Disco, and it was published in this thing called Night Magazine. Okay, I don't know if you ever went to Studio Fifty Four. No, I just missed it. There was a guy there named Anton. He went, 
every night. You know, this was when I never went to the basement and I never okay. got, I've like, never been in Studio 54. Oh, okay. So what was it like? It was it was really, really fun. I mean, it was like one of the few times in your life where if you're the sort of person who has any FOMO, fear of missing out, there, you were not missing out. It's like this is the best place to be. And what was so right what was so much fun? Was it was because there were so many drugs everywhere. You know, when you look, I look back now. When I look back on the amount of drugs that people were doing, I mean, honestly, it's like Alice in Wonderland compared to what people were doing today. I mean, it was like, yes, people were doing coke, but you know, it wasn't like in the early '90s when people were putting out a rail that was like three feet long. You know, that was, that happened with um, with Wall Street and that right. huge influx of money, all those Wall Street guys. So there was, you're saying that there just wasn't a lot of drugs. It was like, you got a little tiny dot, you know? I just remember I'd do like a little tiny bit of cocaine and then I'd be like, oh yeah. But doesn't Never. that usually lead to but, a little more and a little more? And isn't the whole scene sex and you, drugs? You no, know, it was. But I was so young and kind of innocent that I was around, like, you know, I would get you like, hanging a little with, dot of cocaine every right. now and again. So you weren't hanging with Halston and Liza? No, and I was Andy. not. Okay. I never went okay. downstairs. I saw okay. them. So that was down. That happened downstairs. Well, there was a lot of stuff that happened downstairs. Okay. That okay. I didn't go down. So there, you couldn't get down. Like I'm just you asking. You could Johnny, get down there. You could. You could get anywhere you wanted if you went with the right person. Gotcha. You just had to suss out who the person was. Right. Kind of like chat a little, you know. I mean, I I also used to be a journalist too, so I've got a that ability to like if if I want to get in, yeah. I'm getting in. Right. You yeah. know, I'm making a friend. I'm getting right. in. Well, it's not just being a journalist. It's just your personality. You. It, yeah, yeah, it could be. But okay. So Studio Fifty Four. Yeah, no, I missed it. I totally missed so, it. So and 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 then I did go to NYU. I went to, I was in the Gallatin Division, which was this make your own major, and I. Why is it called Gallatin? I do not know. Okay. I think it was maybe somebody, you know, Mister Gall, Mister Gallatin, Gallatin or something. <laughs> but it was supposed to be for you know. Yeah. Kids who knew what they wanted to do and didn't want to be in a, a hmm. you know, typical college structure, you know. I mean, it was like when I went to college, I was really ready to begin my life. Right. I didn't feel like doing the – I went to a couple football games. I was like, no. Okay. I can't. No. Yeah. All right. Well, when I went to college, they let me study makeup. So, you know, it's the same that kind was, of thing. Right. Yeah, same kind of thing. So when did Sex in the City happen? That was your first column or that was your biggest? No, it really, it wasn't. I mean, Sex in the City happened pretty far into my career. It happened, I started writing it when I was in 1994. And I think I was, I was uh, 30. Maybe I was 33. Right. Okay. Something like that. Okay. Um, and were you single at the time? I was single, but I did, you know, I I could, that could have been a time when I had like a boyfriend for six right. months or something, okay. but I had never been married. I had been in my 20s. I'd actually been engaged a couple of times. You know, it was the 80s. So that was really, I, you know, I started writing for women's magazines 
pretty early on when I was like maybe 22. So I was, and I wanted to write fiction, but I couldn't because my mother was like, you've got to get a job. So I was like, fine, I'll get a job in a magazine. You know. So what was your first job? Darn you, I'm not going to write fiction. You'll (laughs) see. So I figured out this way of writing articles Mm -hmm. that were really, you know, fictionalized stories about my friends. So it was like, so all in the 80s, it was all about young women, you know, wanting to have it all. And they were coming to the city like you, you know, right. starting businesses and doing all of that for, you know, and it was very unlike what their mothers had done. And and there was sexual freedom. You know, you could have the big O. And, you know, by then it was like having the pill, taking the pill wasn't like, oh my God, you know, I'm going to be stared at and, you know, I can't get it from my pharmacy. Right. You could get it all of a sudden on college campuses. So there was this patch now of freedom for women that hadn't existed before in between college, where women used to go to get married. Right. And in fact, I just talked to a couple of women yesterday who are a little bit older, and they said their mothers, they went to college because their mothers wanted them to find husbands. That was why you would go, basically. Um, so you didn't get a job. You just were a freelance I writer? I was freelance, but I was also, um, I did have a job as an assistant at uh, Ladies Home Journal. Okay. And my first job was shop- sharpening pencils. Okay. And my boss said I was the best. Sharpener. Pe- pencil sharpener, yes. But that is not unimportant. It's the most- Seriously. Impor- it is, this is the thing no one understands. It is seriously like the most important thing you can do in your life. It's like your first job, you know, the tasks are small because you would not believe how many people actually can't manage right. to do a good yeah. pencil sharpening yeah. job or any little thing. And- that's how you get on your way. It is you know? 100%. But that's something that someone's got to teach because a lot of the kids don't get that. First of all, I don't even know if they if people still use pencils. I do. No, they know. Yeah, but, I use a pencil. But, you know, the pencil equivalent, whatever yeah. it is. Okay. No, that's amazing. So um, so after your... Oh, so I was writing and I had lots of friends. They were in the same situation. We were all dating. We were all thinking, yes, we're going to, you know... We will find a man in our 20s, get engaged, get married, and by the time we're 30, we will be married, we'll have kids, we'll da-da-da. And in fact, there were charts that we would make, that women's magazines would make, of what you were supposed to do at what time. And, you know, these were the pressures and these were like some of the rules. And... Then, of course, what happened was then there was the commitment crisis because of that old saying that your grandmother used to say, if he can get the, the milk, milk for free. Why or, would he Why would he buy it? the cow? Yeah, if exactly. He, something like That's that. That's so funny. And so there was this theory because women right. were on the pill and were willing to have sex with men much more easily, and you kind of had to, you know, you had to wait till the third date. And there were rules about that sort of thing. Um, you know, men were not making 
commitments. And so now, hey, there's all these single women that didn't get managed to get married in their 20s. Those women trans uh, transitioned into women being in their 30s. And suddenly, those women aren't assistants anymore because they've been working right. for 10 years. Right Now, they have their own apartment. Now, they have a job where they have an income that's kind of starting to be a grown-up kind of income. They're more in charge of their own lives. And you know what? They don't have to get married to have a roof over their head. And guess what? They're not. Right, because they're picky. that really is, that's sex in the city. It's about, you know, a social change where women don't have to get married, don't have to have a partner. And so were you just the chronicler of it or did you kind of start it? Do you mean was I the first person who no. Well not the first but were you the you know, were you um, did it I was it happening already like, and you just wrote about it, or do you think you were one of the women that was involved in it and then you started writing about it? Well, I think I was always writing about social trends. Right. I mean, it's something yeah. that is very, very zeitgeisty. And that's really what Sex in the City was. It was the zeitgeist. And then, you know, I started writing it in 1994. And by the time it came out in 1998, that's already four years. So already that. So your column. It started to, it had started to trickle out. Okay. So your column. Right. The first column was where? In the New York Observer. In the New York Observer. And that's where it was the whole time until. Yes. Okay. The whole time. And then, and then it was a book. And then it was a book. But when we started, when I started writing it, the idea was we are only, because I thought this phenomenon of all these great single women in their 30s with no great men to marry them, this can really only be in New York. So the idea was that this is, Manhattan is, because in those days it was Manhattan, it's such a bizarre place where so many people are ambitious. People come here to make it. And as somebody said, that people self-select down to a smaller and smaller group of people, like the more choices you have. And, but what I discovered when I started writing about it was that actually these kind of social phenomenon was happening all over the place. So it was something that women were identifying with because they too were in that same situation. And and I think that women continue to identify with it because it still marks, it's like a time in your life when you're single, you know, before you will get married and have kids. So how many Sex and the City books, was it one book or was it a series? It's one book. Okay. And then I did write two prequel books that are the Carrie Diaries. Okay. That, those were right. a TV show. Um, that's the cutest show you'll ever see in your life about the eighties in New York. And why have I not seen it? Where, where, it's where on, can I see it? Is it I on think now? It's on Netflix. Okay. And also Lipstick you think, Jungle. You think it's on Netflix. I don't get Netflix. You I don't mean, get Netflix? It doesn't work. Okay. On my TV. <laughs> I know. It's like. Uh, I, and I, I can help you in the Hamptons. 
Yeah. That actually would be good. Oh yeah, seriously. I know I know guys that come and set it up and they show you how to do it and it's Okay, really because easy. I have tried to call so yeah. many people. Okay. My Netflix isn't working. They're like, it's not our problem. Oh no, no, Netflix, no. Netflix, no, it's your connection, it's not us. It's it's like it's nobody's problem except I have yeah. no streaming. Do you have on Apple my TV? TV? No. Okay, well we'll get you Apple TV. It's this little teeny remote. See, that's what I have three children. So now that they're grown, they're my IT guys. And now, how are you feeling with the children grown? Because that's part of my thing now is like women reinventing themselves as we are no longer in the reproductive phase of our lives. Well, I reinvented myself because I left the company I founded. Right. So that that was, was, and, and yes, it did happen the same time, by the way, that I was turning 60. And, you know, my kids are all out of the house. So, you know, my kids, but my kids are 28, 26, and 21. So, right, so they're... Right. right, but I am 30 years married. So, you know, that's why I just am so fascinated by this whole sex in the city thing that I, you know, I haven't really been a single girl my whole life. I had a boyfriend for 12 years, mm-hmm. 18 to 30, met my husband three months later, married six months after that, and I've been married 30 years. So I am... That, well, I... So I'm sex in the suburbs. Yes, but you know what? That's it's my husband's gonna love that one, but all right, you can keep it in. (laughs) You know, I mean, I feel like you know, being married for 30 years, I I feel like it's a really great thing. Oh, it's amazing, and And I'm really lucky. Yes, I mean, it's it's you know, having been married and then not, yeah, having a partner psychologically, it does give you a sense of wellness yeah. you don't feel so alone like right. i have yeah. no kids mm-hmm. and do you have a significant other now or i have a boyfriend i don't know okay i don't know if i have a boyfriend or not okay i am 60 I years will, old I will and ask i them. am saying the words yeah. i do not know if i have a boyfriend or not have, would you that ever think is, it, is there still sex in the city it's yeah. like what the hell's oh, going yeah. on here but why can't you ask him are you my boyfriend well, or are we not because i What's the worst that happens? He says, I'm out of here. So you find a new one. Well, we did kind of break up, but okay. then we decided we will see each other again in April. Okay. So. Does he not live around here? You know. Okay. <laughs> Bobby, all I can all right. say is, if imagine, okay, when you get older, the types of men, they don't get better. There are fewer of them. But it's like, if they're Playboy types, they're still Playboy types. If they're, you know, if they're going to be smoking the dube and, I, I don't know, scratching there's, the dog's belly, they're going to be doing that. It's like they There's guys in between. There's, I'm like, I think it's just the, like the way that no, no, you no, look at No, 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 but listen, it's, there's a certain, like, yeah. the guys that are going to be married and be with you forever are already married, okay? Well, you know, bad things happen and their wives die. There's, you know... <laughs> No, 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 but there's people out there, there are, or they get divorced, their wife cheat on them, there's there's things. But anyways, yes, that's your next tricky. book. I still want to yes, go back to how you, you know, you went from this really popular book, New York Times bestseller, like awards, to like this franchise of, you know, the TV show. What was that like and how did that get done? Well, see, I don't, I mean, I... 
I mean, how involved? I mean, I feel like I have maybe a Candace Bushnell brand, Uh but in terms of like the franchise, that's just, I mean, that's so corporate and there's so many different people. But the Sex and the City is a brand. It is. And is it, are you saying it's, it is. do you own this brand? Are no, you, no, I don't. So no, HBO the, owns the okay. brand. So, so I actually you, don't have anything. To do with it. No, I mean, it's like I, you Did know, you in the beginning? I did. Okay. I did. And then, but you know, after two years, in 2000, I wrote a book called Four Blondes. Uh-huh. That was a big bestseller. Right. And then all of a sudden, I- was getting uh, book offers of, you know, for uh, advances of more than a million dollars. Right. That paid a lot more than TV. So you're separating your, so you're. I feel like I write books and then when, now this particular, now this next book, Is There Still Sex in the City? Yeah. That I will be like more involved in I you know wait the wait the book though is there still sex in the city did you made into a tv series but did you need their permission to write the people that bought the no it's not a serial oh it's not a yeah it's not a serial it's a totally separate thing so it doesn't actually have anything to do with the original it has to do with the original sex in the city the candace bushnell okay Sex in the City. Okay. It has to do with the book Sex in the City and that style of writing. So it's it's really me again looking at the Zeitgeist. Right. Okay. So in in the nineties, I looked at the Zeitgeist and I saw the Sex in the City woman. Now it's what I would call actually the middle aged madness woman, where it's a really about a time, you know, it's kind of like 52 to about 60, where I have seen so many friends go through the kind of profound changes. And, you know, there's a lot of loss. And there's, you know, there's the death of the parent of, you know, probably one of your parents is going to die, just statistically. Um, Someone's going to have a friend who dies in this time. And if you get divorced in this time, which I've seen a lot of people do, it's you really, really have to make a fresh start financially. Um, you know, if you if you have let your career go for twenty years while you're raising kids, and it's like iffy, and you get divorced, it's like mm, that's it's going to be some. Probably some pretty big surprises, but also in a po- and, in a positive way because you know I feel like you're covering it from such a big way. But I'm like you know Susie Sunshine here. There's right. so much opportunity now for women of a certain age. Have you seen like there's a bunch of really cool mat like digital magazines? The Line is yes. really cool. Charlotte's book. Um, what's my friend Susan's? You know who founded uh, One King's Lane? Yeah, what's the name of her brand? Into the groove. I mean, it's for women over 50, 60, and it's really cool. Yes. I mean, that's the other yeah. part of it is that it's a chance to, you know, for a lot of women, it's a chance to do 
kind of go for it. Right. Because go cares? for it in a way that you just didn't feel that you had permission right. to do before. So I think part of it is really like, you know, realizing you you have permission to say, hey, I'm in charge of this. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like it's it's that's so that's what it's really about. It's that journey of, you know, trying to like find who you are again in a world where, you know, the world does want to push over 50. Right. You're invisible, you know. Mm -hmm. I remember more magazine. It was for women over 40. And I remember I was probably 40 at the time. And I said to the editor-in-chief, I think you need to do a magazine for women in their 60s and 70s because they're kind of cool and call it even more. And she's no, no one will buy it. It's true. I mean, it's not that no one will buy it. It's that advertisers will not sponsor Which is so dumb. stories. I but, mean, that's really, that's actually But we're the ones what, with the money. It doesn't matter. Doesn't I bet it's matter. changing. What? I, I think it's changing. I think I it's changing. It's niche, you yeah. know? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's, and I think it's changing so much because we're not so reliant on just one source. Like before it was just magazines. Now it's like the internet. It's, it's on Instagram. But I, I still, I honestly, I still think it's going to change. And I think that there's more and more, you know, of the people that are controlling you know, the money at the different corporations that are realizing, you know, there is another world out there than the 25-year-olds that don't have money to buy things. Well, uh, my feeling is that they have to realize that. And I keep saying that to people, like, you know, you really need to start thinking about this audience of women over 50. And, And it definitely is changing I mean, demographically, it's changing because there's going to be such a big population. Right. And so what was, you know, writing about the Carrie Diaries, like what, you know, why did you want to write about her life? Like that was just. Well, Carrie Bradshaw's the main yeah. character. Right. And Sex and the City. So and, and, it and was. And is that, is that you, by the way? Yes. Yeah, I mean, okay. it's my alter ego. Right. Although I always feel like mm, in the show. Yes, they had Carrie doing some morally questionable things that I personally would never do. Okay. So I draw the line. Um, like what? Like uh, like when they had her sleep with Mr. Big and Mr. Big was married. I was like, uh, that's yeah. kind of, that felt really icky to me. But on the other hand, they have no choice right. because they married him off. And then everybody wants to see Mr. Big again. Right. It's like, oops, maybe. And were you involved in any of those decisions? Do they ever ask your opinion as yes, things were evolving? Yes, yes, they would. Did they listen? Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. I, it wasn't, you know, the way of working on a TV show is, it's very specific. It's like working in a company. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. working in a factory. And... I just, I, you know, I work so much on my own, you know, and there's a lot of, they're just like, there's so many decisions that one does not need to be involved right. in. And it, it's, it's such a, it's so detailed. I mean, I'm interested in, you know, 
the writing part of it, you know, when the actual making of it, when it's like they're making all those little decisions on the set. It's like, you know, they have 12 people who are making those decisions. You know what they're doing. So Lipstick Jungle, I remember the TV show. I don't remember that much about it. Though. I remember Brooke was in it. Brooke was in it. It's actually, and that's on Netflix too. Okay. And you should go back and watch it because yeah. it's actually, it's really great. And I feel like it was just before it's time. And to me, like that's what the 2000s were about or should have been about. You know, moving on from Sex and the City, those are characters in their 30s. These are working women in their 40s who are in high-powered positions. I mean, that's something that's always fascinated me. It's women who are very successful, what it's really like, what are the sacrifices, you know, I mean, the way people do business is harsh, but it's not something that that many women are interested in, believe it or not. Women are, they are really, I find that it, 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 maybe it's starting to change a little, but it's like romance is always the default thing for women. It's like, you know, love, romance, a husband, kids, like those are the things that are gonna, you know, and it's not to put any of those things down. The reality is for a lot of women, those are not going to be the answers. They are not going to be the answers anymore. Well, it's and having the combination of both to be lucky enough to have, you know, a career that you love and to have romance is kind of everything. It is. Yeah. It is. But on the other hand, I don't know. It's like it's women. I see so many women striving for a romantic relationship that is just it's not going to happen. So what are you what are you uh, involved in now? What's keeping you interested? Well, I'm writing the pilot mm -hmm. and I'm working on some other stuff. So I mean, I'm, I've always got. A million things going on. Well, you know, I have a lot of stuff I put to the side. Yeah. yeah. So what is what is it like for you when you are writing this pilot? Are you, do you get up in the morning, you set an alarm, you do it when you feel like it? Do you do it at home, in no, office? No, no. I do it. I'm super, I guess I'm super disciplined. I mean, it's really, it's like my favorite day. You know, I just get up, I snuggle with my dogs. What kind of dogs do you have? I have two standard poodles. Uh-huh. And, you know, then I basically go to the computer and make a cup of tea and I pretty much start working. And you don't go and out for a, a power walk first or? No, but I do at, you know, it's in the, when I'm in the city, I have to walk the dogs. So I will go it's to Central Park to try to walk for an hour. Um and that I have to do before nine. But otherwise, I try to do that. I work until like two or three and then try to, you know, do a walk, try to do some exercises. What what, what do you kind of workouts do you do? Do you do it yourself or you go I places? I just do it myself. You do? Yeah, you never I were just... like a Lottie Burke, Pilates kind of guy? Well, I have done Pilates and... I do some things from Pilates, like I do that thing, and then some other weird little moves that I've 
it's taken from Pilates and right. yoga that I probably am doing totally wrong. Okay, but you're not. But, you don't. You never go to one of those fitness studios or. The I'd big like eat. to. Yeah. Well, you clearly but, don't have a weight issue. Well, but it's just like uh, it takes so much time to get there, and then you got to take off your clothes and. I well, don't now, know. but now the since you are you know looking at all this, you just put on your Lululemons and you go, and then you go to lunch. Yes. Right? You don't even I, have to change if you're doing like one of those classes where you're not sweating. You know, honestly, it's like you, not all exercise is sweating. A lot of the women go to Lottie Burke and there's no sweating and then you go to lunch and you put a big sweater on over your Lululemons. Yeah. I, you know what? I'm always like, I don't know. I but, just, I feel like I just don't have. That's what the young people do though. I'm telling you, that's what they do. Well, but do they have that much time to, for exercising and eating lunch? Well, you maybe not lunch, but they'll, you know, either after after work or, you know, in the morning. You know, it depends. Or weekends. And so are you a – do you read at night or do you watch? I do. I do. So you read more than you watch? I – I I could definitely read for an hour and a half or two mm. hours uh, a what, night. What are you reading right now? Oh, God. I, you know, I – well, I'm going to read The Female Persuasion by Meg Wolitzer. Mm-hmm. And also, if you're – and she is – I think she's a terrific writer. She also wrote The Wife, and which was a – you know, the movie and Glenn Close was nominated. Right. But – it's based on a book that she wrote that is, it's really good. It's like dark and funny. Like, and do you know her? I do. I do. She's super nice. I mean, I don't really know her to, I just see her at parties. Yeah, and so you she's have all, like, these, all these writer friends and everyone knows who you are. I mean, you're pretty recognizable. I think my name is. Yeah, but so are you. I mean, I think you are too. I don't think yeah. so. Yeah, but certainly your name. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I go places, believe me, nobody's looking at me. I promise you. All right. Well, that's the best way to be famous. I'll never forget. I was in Colorado um, getting a massage. I was in a bathrobe, a bunch of people all over. And they come out and they're like, um, Mr. Schwarzkopf. And I turn around and Norman Schwarzkopf was sitting next to me in a bathrobe. Like, you know, it's it's weird to have like famous names. You know, I hate when they come out and say Bobby Brown. And I'm like, oh, come oh, on. Oh, now wait till you go <laughs> to the pharmacy in Sag Harbor. Uh-huh. They always... They make you say your name like five times in your age. Really? Yes. And your age? Why? I don't know. I might have made that up. Okay. I think I I put yeah. that in my pilot actually. Okay. Oh. So you're you sometimes I get mixed up, but oh. they, but they definitely ask your name. Spell it. You're gonna be oh. like B O B B I. How yeah. do you spell Brown? <laughs> B R O M U N. And then they'll call out the name of your prescription. But you probably don't have any. Um, oh, I because am, you're super healthy. I'm super healthy. I have thyroid medicine and and bioidentical hormones. I take. Do you take those? I don't. They're really good. Are they good? Yeah. I don't even know where did you get them from. A do- a functional doctor. Do you know what a functional doctor is? No. Functional doctors aren't just regular doctors. They are. They are. They are regular doctors, but they look at everything, not oh. just you know, your cholesterol. They look at everything from your digestion to your hair to, you know, they they help you with a well-rounded person, you know. Is it your digestion that's bothering you? Is it... So I've always believed in more a holistic approach. That, I... Dr. Frank Lipman. If you want a recommendation, I'll give it to you now. Dr. Frank Lipman. 
He's amazing. He's also okay. an acupuncturist. So he's, but he's an MD and he's amazing. Do ballet dancers go to him? His name sounds uh, he, familiar. You know, and he's pretty well known. Yeah. He, a lot of well-known people go to him. But he's just salt of the earth and really, you know, spends time with you. And yeah, he's really great. You know, I I like that they ask about, you know, one's digestion. Yeah, and your relationships, by the way. Like, yes. Like, I'm sorry, maybe you're writing too late in the night. Maybe you're, you know, maybe you need to get out and get some vitamin D in the morning. Things like that. Mm -hmm. It's very, you know, it's very holistic. So if you were writing an, like another, like a modern day sex in the city now, they'd be into all that weird stuff. They'd be drinking kombucha tea and all that kind of weird stuff. Do you know what kombucha tea is? I do. Okay, good. All right, good. But our, so tell me about you and social media. Well, I try and I think it's, uh, you know, I mean, I think it's great. And I mean, I'm fascinated by Instagram. I, I mean, one of the reasons why I'm, I, I, I feel like I had a little bit of a gap with it was because I was, for three years, I lived at my house up in Connecticut, and there was no cell service. Ah. So I really wasn't doing Instagram or Twitter. And I actually did Instagram a little, but it was like you just did those really funny cartoon filters. Now it's completely changed. I mean, it's like you've got to be a professional photographer. No, you don't have to. You could just be someone that takes a picture and has something interesting to say. You always I have. Things. I feel like I haven't nailed it. Okay. I, I feel like I need more followers. I feel like I'm losing followers all the time. Oh, you're not losing followers. I feel Woody Allen-ish about it, can, like you know, uh, curmudgeon-y about it. Oh, like I'm but losing what? Followers. But all right. So, um, could you tell everyone who's listening where they could find you on Instagram? Oh, it's just Candace Bushnell. Okay. Just not just. No, just it's Candace, Candace Bushnell because yes. I'm just Bobby Brown. Right? Yes, I'm I just. Saw that was, but I'm yeah. not verified. Well, you can get verified. I know I'm trying. Yeah, it's not that it's hard. Like I'm verified on Twitter. Okay, like, it's me. Yeah, of course you need to be verified. Yeah, yeah, because then everyone knows it's really you. So where also, if someone wants to know more about you, where can they go? I don't know. I guess they can Google. All right, they could Google. Yeah, they can Google. But I guess they could go to Google. So, um, you're not on Twitter. Do you have a website? I am on Twitter. Oh yes, I am okay, on Twitter. Good. You're on Twitter. I am on Twitter, but I really. Do you tweet? I mostly retweet. Okay. I mostly retweet. Yeah, I'm a big I, retweeter too. You know, I just, I feel like Twitter is not, I mean, for me personally, mm -hmm. not the place to get into any kind of like a quote discussion with someone. I mean, first right. of all, if someone's like, you suck, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm scared of people on Twitter. So, okay. Well, there are mean, there are mean people out there. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, okay. You know, you, how about your website? I don't do too much for that. Okay. I mean, I put stuff so, up so on it. So go buy her books. Go to the store and buy her books. You're or like, go on Instagram. I'm, okay. I'm supposed to post okay. more regularly. Okay. Just start posting pictures of your books. But you look, you took a pic. You did a video I when I, you first like, sat down. Yes, because I, I sometimes I like to do like, here's my day. Yeah. Okay. So I'm. If if you can give one piece of advice to people out there, either to writers that are trying to be a professional or just people that are listening, what's the one thing they could do that they say, oh, I learned from Candace Bushnell on Long Story Short. What advice would you give them? I feel like the most successful people are, they're the best version of themselves as opposed to trying to be somebody 
else or a good version of somebody else. But it really is, you know, it's just, it's about being the best version of yourself. And I also think it's about making the best out of the circumstances that you're in, because we're often not in exactly the circumstances that we want to be in. And, and, you know, things do change. They, you know, but it's like, there's so many times you just have to, you have to be in it and you have to be there and just, you know, make the best of it. That is really good advice. I love that. Really good. Be you. I love that advice. So when is your book coming out? It's coming out in August. Okay. Um, beginning of August, do you know? August 6th. Perfect, for the end of the Hamptons. For the end of the Hamptons. I am such a big fan. I cannot wait to read your books. And uh, I thank you so much for coming. And I can't wait to see what else you're going to do. Thank you. That was my conversation with Candice Bushnell. Follow her on Instagram. She really needs more followers. And don't forget to buy her book in August. And that's it for this episode of Long Story Short. If you like the show, tell a friend. Also, rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for me, email them to askbobbybrown at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Instagram at justbobbybrown and let me know who you'd like me to interview, anything else you want to see. Thanks for listening. This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown, a Gallery Media Group production.